after I had the biopsy, I thought, okay, this is probably going to come back as nothing. I mean, I still wasn't thinking anything much of it. And my, my lump was maybe about like a centimeter or something. It was, it was small. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe I was just imagining it. You know, it's just, you just tell yourself so many things. Right. Maybe it's not really hard. Maybe I'm having a fibrous breast because, you know, maybe it's something from, you know, when you've had a period, sometimes your breast can be fibrous for some ladies. Anyway, they called me back that day. I remember I was in my living room. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone. Sometimes I'm dining with friends. And sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Lavina Johnson is a licensed physical therapist who has treated in most genres, but specializes in manual therapy techniques, such as craniosacral therapy and muscle energy to correct postural anomalies leading to pain. She is the mother of two girls who help her keep her priorities straight, a sophomore in college and a fourth grader with Down syndrome. And she was, up to recently, a board member of Down Syndrome Partnership of North Texas, which advocates for individuals with Down syndrome. She has a big heart for people and enjoys the various opportunities to interact with and touch lives. She's also my very good friend. Welcome back to Diversity Dish. I'm so glad you decided to come back. My guest today is my childhood friend. I think Lavina and I met when we moved back to New York in 1979. And so we were both right around, well, I was going on 11. And I think, Lavina, I think your birthday is in January. So you were a little bit behind me, right? From September. So Mm -hmm. it is Lavina Johnson. Hey, Lavina, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Sadie? We were actually BFFs in sixth grade, girl. We were BFFs <laughs> in sixth grade and seventh grade and eighth grade. I thought. Yes, I thought all yes, the way, all through, the way right? till we graduated. Yes, yes. Yeah, because we didn't end mm-hmm. up going to the same high school, but we've kept in touch all these many years. Yes, yes, we have. Yeah, my I've, family moved away to Texas, so that kind of cut that, but <laughs> we kept in touch no matter what. We did. Yeah. I think I was telling my kids the other day about, I think my, my husband says, well, you know, he was saying to my kids, he was like, so, you know, you don't usually stay friends with the, with the friends that you have in elementary school because, you know, whatever reason. And I think he was trying to help them with the idea of moving because we were thinking about moving and they, my uh. daughter was not excited. And then I turned around, I said, I don't know if that's true. I said, I have friends from elementary school. And he was like, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, you're messing me up, Sadie. You're messing me up. That's not the point. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. We've been friends. uh, I was at your wedding and I've seen, you know, your children coming through into the world. Yeah. We've been friends a long time. And you were at my wedding? I was. I yeah. Yes, we have. Actually, we have... I came across a picture of that the other day, and I was going to uh, post it to you for Throwback Thursday, and I got caught up and I forgot. But yeah, I had a picture <laughs> with you and your, your son. So yeah, 
we've been friends a long time (laughs) it is it it has been quite some time and so I wanted to have you on the show because we have besides the fact that people always thought that we were sisters (laughs) we have the breast cancer journey in common but before Mm -hmm. we get into your story about breast cancer I want you to tell us what is it that you are most passionate about right now I actually am passionate about women and uh, helping women to make the best choices that they can and that's something that I want to pursue further Um, I've had some experiences in my life that I feel have shaped me to be the person I am today Mm -hmm. and uh, there's just so many things I didn't know I I think I would consider myself to be on the naive end of the stick if you had a scale and I've walked into some things and I would really like to, I have a heart for women because I think just women have so much on their plate. Mm-hmm. They have so much to give. Um, they have a lot of responsibility. And a lot of times they don't have the support because they think of themselves less. The other day I was just thinking I was sick uh, about a week ago with a cold. My daughter brought it home from, from my daughter. I got it from my little daughter. And I was thinking, okay, there's no one here to make me tea or bring me some soup or, Mm -hmm. you know, rub my feet or my back like I would do for my children Mm -hmm. or for a spouse. And so women just forget sometimes to take care of themselves. So I have this, I have this passion for women, you know, Mm -hmm. just that they would know how valued they are and to take that value and turn it around and, and, you know, take care of themselves to put themselves first sometimes Mm -hmm. and, you know, just to be able to have a better life. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. I feel everything that you said, because it's so true. You know, it's a little bit what got me on the path on the coaching and consulting path was that after I was diagnosed, I realized so many things that I didn't do for myself. And that I was Mm -hmm. like, I want to help women figure it out before they get the diagnosis, before they have to do, you know, before something really comes and it just kind of jolts them into, oh, I better do this. No, you better do it now because now is life. There's something that I realize or that we realize along the way is like, we're always making plans about Mm -hmm. things, but the time that we're spending making those plans, the times that we're spending thinking about those plans, that's life. That's life happening in the moment. It's here, the day you've been waiting for. The registration for the Discovery Den cohort is now open. You can find the link in the show notes, or you can go to citrolamaruska.com that uh, backslash work dash with dash Sadie, and that's S-E-D-I-E. What is the Discovery Den cohort? It's a place where you get to connect with like-minded people and you get to dig further into the information that we share. The Discovery Den cohort is where we're going to help you take those strengths that are yours. We're going to help you identify your strengths, take those strengths, couple them with your passion and find exactly where you want to make or where you can make a laser focused difference. So come on by sedrolamaruska.com backslash work dash with dash Sadie or look in the show notes. The link is there. And so sometimes we forget that we're supposed to enjoy now and enjoy then. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm thoroughly convinced that 
my breast cancer was a result of the stresses in my life. I mean, you can't tell me otherwise, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we do as women have to take care of each other. And I used to wonder how could it be that, you know, the number one killer of, of women is heart disease. But that's because it goes back to that heart, you know, the stresses. Yes. You know, we are busy stressing and taking care of everybody else and we forget ourselves. And then that's where the breakdown happens. And then, you know, the nature of this sick and she's, you know, when she's gone and we really have to take care of ourselves. We do. We do. We've mentioned it that you and I both have had breast cancer, but I would like for you to, if you don't mind to please share your breast cancer story. I think most people know mine if they've been listening to the podcast or they've been reading my blog or if they've been following me for any number of years, they know my story, but I would like for them to hear your story and your perspective, since this is also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yes, which I'm so grateful that they have a month where we celebrate and the women that have made it through those, we remember those who have it, and that we make sure that most women are educated so that they can be able to uh, look out for themselves. Well, mm-hmm. my story starts with, I got married in 2008. And in 2009, I had an actual wedding and moved from, from Maryland to Texas and, you know, with my, my spouse. Within the marriage, I had a, a small daughter from a previous and then he had a son from a previous. So we had a blended family. And around March of, two, of, uh, of 2010, which would have been about a, almost a year later, year and a half later, I was just taking a shower and I felt this lump in my mm. breast. It was just a very, very hard spot. And I thought, hmm, this is weird. And it was on my right breast. And I thought, and it wasn't really, really moving. It was just like very, very firm. Mm-hmm. And so I said to my husband, I said, I, I said, I, I don't know, this, this bump feels a little bit weird. What do you think? And then he's like, hmm, yeah, we should, you should probably, you know, get that checked out. So I went to the uh, personal doctor, our primary doctor, who was a gentleman. And I said to him, you know, this, Dr. Moore, this is, this is bother, concerning me. Can you take a look at it? And he checked it out. And he immediately ordered a mammogram for me. Mm-hmm. I still didn't think much of it. I was a little bit worried, but didn't think a lot of it. And then after I had the, the mammogram, they sent me to uh, Baylor, it's a big hospital here in Texas. They called me and said, well, we need you to come in. Mm-hmm. So that's always when they call you to come in and not just on the phone. Right. You know, so then my husband went with me and it's like, you know, you have a lump on this, your breast and it looks like it appears as though it probably, you know, could be cancer. So we'd like to take a biopsy to make mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. to be sure. And so they gave me all the pros, the cons, all the possibilities. And then after that, they set me up for surgery. And um, after I had the biopsy, I thought, okay, this is probably going to come back as nothing. I mean, I still wasn't thinking anything much of it. And my, my lump was maybe about like a centimeter or something it was it was small mm-hmm. I thought well maybe I was just imagining it you know it's just you just tell yourself so many things right. maybe it's not really hard maybe I'm having a fibrous breast because you know maybe it's something from you know when you've had a period sometimes your breast can be fibrous except some ladies anyway they call me back that day I remember I was in my living room not that day the, the day that they found the, got the results and mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days later and I was sitting down and she said Miss Johnson your biopsy came back and it's cancer. I'm like, mm. what? I was just mm. thinking like, what? I mean, it's just like a shock. Like mm-hmm. It can't be me. And I was 41. Mm-hmm. I was 41 at the time. 41. So I'm thinking, I'm like too young. This is, can't be the case. You know, there's not, it doesn't run in my family. Um, mm-hmm. 
how could this be? Mm-hmm. And so then, I mean, it just seemed like a whirlwind from there. It's like, okay, we need you to come in. Uh, we're going to do this, this, this. And when I told my husband, he couldn't believe it. He just thought that can't be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But from there, it just seemed like so many things happened. We had to sit down in the office with them and figure out, you know, what did I want to do? What kind of treatment did I want to pursue? You know, they gave me the options of a lobectomy because mine was still relatively small. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so they said some women do mastectomies. I took a BRAC test, if you're familiar with that. Yes. It's, uh, a test just to see if there's any genetic component to it. Right. So it yeah. can prepare me for if there's anything else coming in that I could be able to to, uh, you know, prepare. My, I had an older daughter and uh, my mom had had ovarian cancer years before. So they thought maybe oh. there was a gene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that came back negative. So anyway, I had a lump that I chose the lumpectomy and uh, then it was for the course of treatment following the lumpectomy. And also they were checking to see if it was in my lymph nodes. Right. Because if it went to the lymph nodes then that would be not a great thing. So when they did lumpectomy, they also went in and cut me in my axilla area just to be sure. And thankfully it hadn't spread there. So I'll take mm-hmm. up with that. Um, and I chose radiation. Mm-hmm. I chose radiation. Um, they tried to strongly suggest chemotherapy. And for me, I just didn't want to go down that path. And that's mm-hmm. for me. It's not anybody else. Everybody's you know, able to do what they decide. But for me, I just chose not to. And they told me they really tried to scare me into the chemo. <laughs> they said, you know, you have a 15% chance of this thing coming back you know, uh, can we get it that right now it looks pretty good and we were able to get it and we're, you know, I'm glad it didn't go into your lymph nodes, but, you know, you really should consider chemo. I mean, that man sat us in the office for a really long time. And I said, I just trying to convince you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, he used every scare tactic he could. I said, I just don't want to do it. And so yeah, I did radiation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, everybody's, everybody's journey, everybody's choice is different, you know, for depending on what, what works for you, what your cancer is like, where, how far it's gone, all so many things go into deciding for yourself what's best for you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it was in the early stages, they thought so, you know, from what they took out with it. So, like I said, he said I have a 15% chance. They figured they had gotten it pretty much, but but I just didn't do the chemo. So I did radiation. And I would get up every morning, go mm-hmm. to the to the hospital, go have my radiation, which of course is direct pointed to the, the area of the um, excision, mm-hmm. and then go to work. Mm-hmm. Go to work. I didn't miss any time. I had the lumpectomy on a Friday. They tell me to be sure to take Monday off, and I went back to work on Tuesday after my first radiation treatment so yeah it was moving wow wow yeah so during that time um I just tried to you know stay encouraged I had to have a mammogram every six months to follow up they also wanted me to take I don't want to say it correctly tamoxifen 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 Tamoxifen. thank you yes and I didn't (laughs) take that either so I'm a rebel sorry (laughs) 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 <laughs> rebel <laughs> and I um I didn't try they worked hard to convince me to take that too and I didn't and I was grateful later because I actually ended up having my daughter and I a year later and I didn't plan to get pregnant so who knows what that would have done you know who can, who right knows? right so you weren't in menopause they were Not that I'm aware wanting of, no. to put you into menopause I think that was part of why I was against it and of course you know mine was estrogen 
the breast cancer was spurred on by estrogen. I had increased production of estrogen. So they were saying that this medication would help to um, suppress my estrogen and, you know, help to decrease my chances of it coming back. I mean, we had long conversations about that. I looked it up. I called and talked to my friends who are doctors. And I'm just not a big medicine person. It's yeah. Just, I, just I, yeah. So I didn't take yeah. it. And who could have known? I mean, I had a baby at 42. So did I. <laughs> we both did. Yeah. I don't know what we were thinking. What but. we were thinking about, yeah, you know. So, um, yes. Yeah, a few months after I had a baby, so. Right. I don't take tamoxifen. I actually take letrozole um, okay. because my cancer was also estrogen dependent. Um, and I also was not in, I was not in menopause when my cancer was detected. So when I started, I did do chemo, um, but my breast cancer was a little bit larger than yours um, when we found it. And the reason that we found it was because my, my nurse practitioner, she said, this doesn't feel right. And I was feeling it and we, and I had been going to get regular mammograms and ultrasounds for, at different times for different reasons. Cause you know, I had a lump removed when I was 16. Okay, I didn't remember. Right from my left breast. <laughs> and and so we were I was constantly going in to 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 get things seen and so I chalked it up to I'm getting old, my breasts are getting more fibrous. That's mm. what I chalked it up to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then she said this doesn't feel right. She sent me to the surgeon and the surgeon Surgeon and I both are sitting in her office because we had just gotten fresh scans, an ultrasound and a mammogram. And she's looking at the scans and I'm looking at the scans and she said, I don't see anything. I said, I don't see anything either because I'm so used to seeing the, the scans and she's a mm-hmm. surgeon. She's like, mm-hmm. I just don't see anything. I said, no, she said, but when I look at your breasts, your breasts look different. So we're going to take a biopsy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, All right. And so that's what we did. And so, and, and that came back positive. But so, but I had to have, um, I had to have chemo prior to surgery because of the size of the mass. Cause it was no longer, mm. it was not a lump. It was a mass mm. and it was also, and my skin was also involved a little bit. Oh my. So it was so a little bit God more advanced you guys than yours. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. a little bit advanced than yours. And so, you know, I, 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 look at it in and of course the chemo threw me into menopause Mm. but at the time I'd already had my daughter at 42 I was 49 when I I was diagnosed okay so it was a little bit different so for me I was so then I did a, a double mastectomy because besides finding that mass in the right side they were like oh we saw a lump in the left side. I said, just what? take them both. Just take I just, them, just, yeah, just take them both. Let's yeah. be done with, yeah. with that. So yeah. Do was, you have a history of breast cancer in your family? No. <clears throat> and I also did a genetic test because I have so many girls in my family and I have my daughter and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to know. And mm-hmm. there was, there's no genetic. No marker there's no genetic mm-hmm. marker so you know it was one of those things I usually chalk it up to there's a lesson that I needed to learn and that was the only way I was going to learn it and so you know it came 
And I said, well, I'm open to the learning. I need to, you know, find, figure out, find out what this is about. And, you know, kind of went through all of that. By the time when I got breast cancer, I was in a, a, a tumultuous, tumultuous relationship. I mean, my marriage was pretty bad, pretty toxic. And, mm. um, you know, I encourage ladies, as we, you were asking at the beginning about my passion to, you know, seek help, like mm-hmm. to talk, find someone to talk to or mm-hmm. not just their friends, but like, you know, if they need to go to counseling and I ended up going to a place called Safe Haven. And I'm okay with saying that because I'm, I'm, I plan to talk to more and more women about, you know, choices. A lady saw me and realized that I, I was trying to find a, uh, an apartment uh, mm-hmm. because I wanted to move out. And uh, she said, do you mind if I ask you a question or if I tell you a story? And I said, sure. And she'd tell me about how things were rough with her and her husband and how, what she had done and blah, blah. She gave me the name of a place called Safe Haven. And there's a mm. place here. This is here in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, where I am. And um, I went there and man, it helped so much. And I mm. wonder, had I not found the lump and then continued in the, in the toxicity, you know, mm-hmm. could I have gotten to the point, you know, where I had a mask or something mm-hmm. where I, I did need chemotherapy or um, did need to do a mastectomy or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So just being aware of not only your physical, but also your mental health your mental. It goes towards, yeah, that breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've talked to my daughter about, you know, self-exams, like just being aware mm-hmm. of the various aspects of your breast, you know, just mm-hmm. as you're showering, you know, does this feel normal, this normal, you know, knowing what's not normal mm-hmm. because I had my yearly mammogram. I was mm-hmm. on point with that. I'd been having mammograms since I was like 35. You know, I had gone to see the doctor. I always go see the doctor and they, they always do a check, but no one had caught that, you know, I right. so yeah. 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 And it's very interesting because, you know, like I said, my doctor looked at it and she didn't see anything. So had someone mm-hmm. just sent her my scans and not sent me at, in mm-hmm. person, you know, she would have looked at it and she said, there's nothing wrong with this person here. Right. Right. Exactly. So there's, exactly. there's that too, you know, but that she looked at me and she saw that it was different and that it looked like, okay, let's, let's take a, an, a biopsy and see what's, what's going on. I was very fortunate in that, in that regard. Well, I'm yeah. grateful, grateful that she was diligent because there's a lot of doctors that just don't take the time. They're like, your scans look good. You're all right, honey. You know, you were young. You're still <laughs> young. So it's like, okay, you're good. We'll see you That's in six true. months. So we'll see you in a year. You know, That's in a true. year, a whole nother thing would be going on because your body would have had a year to have that mask. So I'm grateful for you guys teaming together, you know. Yes. The other thing is also I tell women to uh, not be afraid to trust their instincts or intuition or discernment whatever word you want to put on it some people Mm -hmm. would say it's even the holy spirit you know not be afraid to if you feel within your gut that something's not quite right or you touch or check yourself and realize that wow this tissue feels a little bit off or something you don't 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 talk yourself out of it or second guess you know go go to your health professional and you know discuss it with them and if you don't feel like you're getting the answers or the attention that you need towards it then you go with someone else Right. Be persistent. I found that being persistent is very important because um, health challenges don't always uh, show themselves in certain ways or certain patterns that we come to expect. Mm-hmm. Sometimes health challenges are underlying, like in your case, like your scans look perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. In my case, in fact, you know, if I brought it to my, I brought it to my doctor's attention, he didn't belittle it. And I appreciate that. He said, mm-hmm. well, let me check. 
you know, but I've been in other medical situations where I've had to insist that the doctor draw up blood or do something. And they're like, oh my gosh, yes, it is, you know, because <laughs> I had said to them, you know what I'm saying? And I said, I, I said, this wasn't feeling right. So just to be persistent, to be persistent. Yeah, that's a, that's very important to share and to know and to kind of internalize really, because it's not really a message that we get especially as women growing up, you know, we don't get the be persistent, go for, you know, what you want and, 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 and get what you want. We don't get that message growing up Mm -hmm. as much as boys do. And Mm. so it's important for us to realize that that intuition, that sensitivity that, that people think is a weakness is really Mm -hmm. actually a strength. Yeah. That ability to kind of sense things and kind of feel things out mm-hmm. is a strength and we really yeah, should embrace it. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because otherwise, you know, the alternative is that we wait for someone else to give us permission, but we have yes. the permission already by All virtue of being human. <laughs> yes. 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 Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did do also to work also for, for the breast cancer not returning, because of course that is always a fear in the back of your mind. Um, mm-hmm. Besides doing the mammograms, there were some other times where I took mammograms and they said, well, we see something. Mm. But when they kept pr- pursuing it further than like doing the ultrasound, then they realized that it's just, I have fibrous breasts now. Mm. So it's showing different spots. And, and I have to tell you too, as women, we need to figure out how to make machines that don't smash our breasts so flat. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you about what I just invested in. I just invest. I found this company. So on this website, they created this machine that where a woman will lie down on it, Mm -hmm. but there is a dip, like the Mm. breasts go into the hole Mm -hmm. and it takes a 360 degree image of the breasts. And so it gives you a much clearer image of the, of the breast. There's no smashing involved because I know a man created that machine that smashes the breast. Because <laughs> 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 he didn't have dreaded. to do it. Exactly. I would dread it, dread it. Look, let me tell take, you take a, take a deep breath. Don't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who wants to do six every six months? <laughs> Look, let me tell you, they would never create a machine that smashes men's exactly you know what you know they win (laughs) (laughs) but they'll smash our parts all the time so this this machine oh my goodness I wish I could I could find the name for you so that I could really share it because I actually really do want to share it with everybody and people can invest in this company right now they're looking for you know ground floor investors it's on a it's on a website where individuals can invest a certain amount and then later when the product comes out on the market, you can receive a return on your investment. So it's different than like crowdfunding where you just donate and you're like, yay, yay. I hope your thing works, but it is, it's incredible. I saw, I watched the whole thing and I was like, she's laying down her breasts go into the machine and it just, it just goes around. It's like a a big MRI machine, except it goes around the breasts, Mm -hmm. you know, the, and and then you're done. No smash, no hurt, no breathing, you know. <laughs> Hold your breath. Oh, no, no, no. Take a deep breath. Don't breathe, don't breathe. Don't breathe. 
<laughs> I can make light of it now. I know this was a really tough time for a lot of people, but it's so important, ladies. It's so important to ha- get the mammogram. I mean, no matter It's very what. important. It's important it's so to important. get the mammogram, but it's also, I think, because the mammogram did nothing for me, I could have gone on getting mammograms for years and they might not have ever seen it. It's also really important to go to a clinic or or a hospital to have, and because my nurse practitioner in my gynecologist's office, you know, she and I created this rapport and she knew about me. They delivered my daughter. So they knew me. And Mm -hmm. so I knew her and it's important to kind of be able to be fully honest and open with whoever your, your, your practitioner is to, to tell Mm -hmm. them if anything strange is going on. Yeah. Because, because if you're not honest and you're not open about it, there's no way that they can help you. You know, they can't even guess what might be the issue or what might be the problem or if anything could, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's, that's very important for sure. The, uh, the doctor, the, the, the ones who did the biopsy and then he had a, a nurse practitioner who worked with him. They were, very, they were wonderful. I mean, they were very versed in every aspect of the subject. You know, they were able to talk to me about what was going on, what to expect with the biopsy. And you really want that. You really want to have that open and honest conversation and being able to, it was many different layers of doctors. I mean, there was a doctor who was the primary care who sent me to get the mammogram and then the doctor who you take the mammogram with and then the one who, uh, who looks at the film and then the other one sends you to get the biopsy with someone and then you come back and see the other, and then they assign you to an oncologist, yeah. you know, and not have that doctor who's then assigned to keep up with me. And then, so it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. So I'm grateful for the support, you know, if my, if my family was there and uh, just being able to get through and God taking me through it. Yeah, yeah. it is a lot. It is. And one of the things that I think more than one of my nurses told me was that your state of mind and your Mm. attitude is so important to your ability to not just go through the treatments, but to come through well. Yes. You know, they told me um, because I Honestly, you know, my husband took me to my doctor's appointment. My husband took me to my first chemo session, but he wasn't able to take me to the next, the the others because he, he of course was working. And so I had friends and family take me, um, Mm -hmm. each time I had someone different take me and we would go and, and it was almost like an outing because we would just have all this fun. Like it was just, you know, it was just so much fun. And so once, once I, I, I arrived at the cancer center and the nurse came and she said, you know what? I'm just so happy when I see you come in here. She says, cause you just have the best attitude. And she says, you will be surprised how that will help you, you know, throughout this whole process. She says, you're going to be fine because you just, your attitude, everything is just so great. And I thought, well, it really helps to have people supporting you Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. surrounding you and you knowing that there's someone there you know so like you said you have you you have so much support you have like the best family ever you guys everything (laughs) together I mean y'all are so tight and the support that you have I mean anyone looking on the outside would have to envy because I mean every event every family event anything that's happening good or bad everybody's there stuck together I love it I love it I wanted to touch back on what you said about the state of mind I'm so glad that Mm -hmm. you brought that up 
Mm-hmm. Um, because there are times when people get a cancer diagnosis and immediately, immediately they go into a deep depression. And there's nothing wrong with being, you know, angry and then hurt and sad mm-hmm. and, and, and scared. I mean, that's the cancer word, the C word is very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after you've had a chance to, to go through that and shed your tears and cry, scream, whatever it is, then you, your decision that you make in your mind on how you're going to approach it has a lot to do with your recovery and your healing, exactly how you say, besides the different um, things that you do for it. I, I 100% agree. And I immediately, you know, said in my mind, well, look, I have a, a daughter, which I just had one at the time, you right. know, and I, I need to be here so I can see her grow up you know, mm-hmm. and see what she's going in. And I said one centimeter, but it might've been a little bit bigger than that. I'm not good at, 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 uh, at, num- at numbers. Measuring. <laughs> like, so, yeah. It seemed like it was a pin drop, but it was in big enough that, I mean, I now have a breast that's atrophied. Okay. On one side, <laughs> they took the, there's a nice little scar here. I'm looking here. And when they got all that out, yeah, I have my, my daughter and I joke because without Victoria helping me with my secret, <laughs> <laughs> I look nice and full right now, but uh, Victoria is definitely helping, trust me. But yeah, the state of mind, you know, we we, we prayed about it. If you believe in mm-hmm. God or your spiritual, you know, pray, prayer and asking God to give you peace. And then also, you mm-hmm. know, my friends encouraged me. I was encouraged and things like that. And uh, I read up a study that they did where they just did a test to see how people's state of mind affects their uh, progress and recovery from cancer. And so mm-hmm. they had two sets of people, people who, who had, it was various types of cancer, not just breast, mm-hmm. but people who had can, the cancer that was at such a stage or so involved that they had six months to live. Mm-hmm. And then people who had cancer that they probably could survive three years or more. Mm-hmm. And they broke them into two groups with each group having half of the very involved and half of the ones not so involved. Mm-hmm. And they had the doctor tell them the same thing. It was a, it's the, the one, the group that had the mixed, that the mixed, both of them had, you know, people that were sickly and those that weren't as sick, but none of them knew their diagnosis is yet. Mm-hmm. No one knew the extent. And mm-hmm. so one group, they told them, you guys are really, really ill. Your cancer has spread. It's metastasized. And we're sorry to tell you, but you've got three to six months. Then the other group, they told them, wow, you know, we looked at your films and everything and you're doing really, really good. I mean, we're really, we're really encouraged. I mean, I think we see that, you know, maybe three years, maybe five, maybe 10. And do mm-hmm. you know the people that they told three to five, 10, all of them lived past three years, even the ones that should have only had six months to live. And the other group where they told them, I'm sorry, you know, we have, we're sorry to inform you that you only have six months. That then not only did the ones with six months pass, but even the ones who could have who should lived have for longer. longer also died in six months. Is that crazy? <gasps> wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the state of mind is just so, so important. Yeah, the, the mind, the mind body connection is, is bigger than we think, which is why, like I said, I believe the stresses that I was having right. close to the heart really mm-hmm. contributed to the breast cancer in the first time. And that's not everybody's story, but just knowing that your stresses, you know, do translate to your body and that mind, you know, body connection is very, 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 very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting. It's kind of the same way because when we're having negative thoughts, we're, we're telling ourselves negative things, right? We're, we're, we're talking negatively to ourselves the whole time versus when we're having positive thoughts and, and probably speaking more life and positivity into what we're doing. It's kind of like mm-hmm. they say, you can, take, you can take two apples and put them in different places. And one apple, you spew 
you know, terrible words to you're ugly, you're this, you're that. And one apple, you say, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. I love you. You're wonderful. And within a few days, the apple that you've been loving will still be fresh. The other apple will begin to deteriorate. And yes, I've heard this. Yes. You can try it. I want to try try that for real. Just try it for real. I mean, and honestly, like, that's why they also say you should talk to your plants, right? Speak to your plants. Oh my gosh, you look so pretty. You're doing so well. I mean, (laughs) I would get plants and I would neglect them. And then I'd be like, they always die. But now I have these plants in my house and I regularly go to them like, oh, you look so pretty. Look at you. You're doing so well. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And I water them and and they're thriving, like thriving. And I'm going, that's crazy. Really is something to the vibration or the frequency or whatever it is that you're put out when you're putting out positive versus putting out negative. And so it happens. It happens the same way internally, I believe. And so I think, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing to go through cancer. Even anyone that you see is doing it well, that doesn't look like they're going through cancer. They Mm -hmm. are experiencing moments where it's hard, right? Where Mm -hmm. they're in pain, where they're Mm -hmm. not feeling well at all, where all they, they're tired, they're drained, you know, they're, they're emotionally stressed or drained yeah because like with me the fatigue was so bad even though I said I didn't do chemo radiation radiation strength radiation is hard on you and I had to have it I want to say it was either six or eight weeks every day so daily I'd have a break on the weekend and I had to come back for the next five days daily Mm -hmm. and um when I say I went to work what I was saying was that I guess I pushed myself but in hindsight, you know, maybe I could have rested a little bit more in between. I still continued and carried on my day to day, but I was fatigued. That mm-hmm. radiation did sap your strength. So yes, no matter what aspect of the cancer you're going through, you're still going to have tiredness. You're going to still have days. And uh, yeah, there's been days I've been, I've been negative and you talk about the negativity. Yeah. <laughs> like, what in the world? Why can't you get it together? What's <laughs> going on with this? You know, you are this, you're the, and I have had to work on stop negative self-talking. And yeah. now I just finished working out kickboxing. I'm like, man, you're shit. You're so good. Excuse my French. I'm sorry for cussing. It's all sorry good. It's to, all good. to your, to it's your, okay. to your people. Okay. But I just like, yeah, I'm just so great. You know, and I feel that goodness. It's like I'm almost walking taller. So yeah, there's a lot to positive thinking. I'm going to try that with the apples. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to try that with the apples. I've heard that that I've seen I've heard of that happening you know different ways but yeah yeah you know with plants and apples and and different things so yeah try it it's important also for people who do not have cancer who have not had cancer to what are some of the things that people did for you or with you or that you really really appreciated as a cancer patient when you were going through, you know, the, the biopsy or the radiation? Well, first of all, I appreciated people called and asked how I was doing. Once they found out, I, I like calls. I know sometimes people want to keep things quiet, but I, my, my personality and my spirit invites to know that people are, are, are looking out, praying or, or thinking about me. Also, um, people brought food, you know, during that time when those first couple of days, when I was like coming home from the hospital, like, you know, make a dish and bring it to the house. Yeah. Things like that. 
and help out in those ways. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, we had a food train. (laughs) The people in the community set up a food train for us, which was so nice. And it was so, so helpful because, you know, I, I wasn't trying to cook, you know, I was, I was also going to work. I was going to work through chemo. The only time that Mm. I didn't go to work was the six weeks that I was off six or eight weeks that I was off after the 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 double mastectomy Mm -hmm. but then through radiation I was going to work I was going to radiation and then going to work Mm -hmm. and you know like you said the fatigue you know was was a lot so there was no way I was going to be doing all of that and then cooking and there wasn't any way that I could ask my husband to do that either and we had two younger children Children. at the time my you know my daughter was six my son was um, 11, I think mm-hmm. at the time. And so it was so nice to have people just, you know, there was always, there was a, they put a cooler outside our door, our, our, our nice. door. And every evening, right around five or six, someone would just put the food in there. No one was knocking, you know, trying to disturb anything. They just put the food in there and we would go out there and we would see, oh, we're having lasagna tonight or, oh, we're having, you know, um, salad and pasta and, you know, it was just so nice. And so, you know, I encourage people to, to see what they can do. And sometimes asking is probably not the best thing, but thinking about those things that might be really hard for you, if you were down, um, Mm -hmm. is better. And then just doing it and just going there and saying, Hey, I was at the store and I got you this bag of stuff. Here's some toilet paper. Here's some you know, because you're at, when you're in the throes of it, you're not really thinking about those things. Yeah, You're thinking, yeah. I got to go do this because you're trying to be in your regular way, but then you're like, I'm too tired and I can't. Um, so if someone just comes and says, look, I was at Target and I just brought, I thought I'd bring you guys some toilet paper, some, some paper plates, some, you know, paper plates and, 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 and forks and spoons, because who wants to wash dishes? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Right. No, and a lot of times people say, oh, let me know if you need anything. Don't say that. Because right. the person is definitely not going to say, hey, Mary, it was it's hard to call someone and say, hey, can you do so-and-so? But what you do is you just step up and you just do it. That's a really, really good point that you bring out. Make a casserole, you know, um, yeah. offer to bring some groceries over. I mean, not just offer, bring them. Bring them. <laughs> say I've left them outside your door, you know. Just right. some staples and some things that you can do. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. I also worked on seeing what I could do to also for the, the holistic and natural aspect too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so after I'd had radiation for those many weeks, I felt like I wanted to get the, the toxin of the radiation out of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to try to work on clearing that up. So have you ever heard of a Korean spa? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Koreans, they have this natural holistic way of doing things where they have like these uh, rooms that have like salts and different kind of like gold rocks and different, it, pr- it produces minerals that come out mm-hmm. in the room while you're in this, this the, um, the dry heat. Mm-hmm. And so there is a Korean spa here in, in Dallas. And um, I went there, uh, went several times, different times. And I'd go to different rooms and different rooms had different things that helped get certain toxins out. And one of the things it talked about was like, you know, clearing out from chemo and from, you know, if you've had cancer, uh, people with, um, you know, blood issues and things, so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. I went there 
And I feel like that really helped me a lot as I was mm. moving on my way to recovery, the spa. And then I tried to work on getting back into exercising, which was even just like taking a walk mm-hmm. and getting, you know, that fresh air to back to talking about getting the stresses down and, um, and just kind of bringing that wholeness and well-being back into my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then just, of course, trying to eat, you know, eat pretty well. Mm-hmm. But those things really, really helped. That spa, going to the spa was just really amazing. If there's any place that, you know, that's in your, in your, in your neighborhood or in your city that has like, you know, uh, a sauna, dry heat, or even, you know, moist heat mm-hmm. and those kind of things help to bring those toxins to the front. And I feel like that really helped me on my pathway and, and journey to healing. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point to bring out too. Yes. After afterwards I adopted the habit of going to get a massage every six weeks um Mm -hmm. before that I thought how can I afford that I can't do that but afterwards I was like you know what I can't afford not to because to me also and from a lot of things that I've read keeping my stress level at a manageable in a, a manageable level a normal you know, bringing it down is so important as well in terms mm-hmm. of making sure that your body is not constantly producing cortisol. And so you're, 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 it's got anxious, nowhere to anxious, go. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having a massage on a regular basis, definitely going to go and get my nails done, but also mm-hmm. meditating every morning, mm-hmm. meditating, praying, writing down just time so that I could just just bring it down a thousand right whatever's happening just, just bring it down have stop. that space right and think stop yes. and just stare to think <sighs> yes and just be and so you know I've adopted a lot of those things and I keep I'm still doing them I keep doing them because they they feel good and they they help me to feel more productive even though I have gotten to a place where before I used to be like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do it. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, gotta. Now I'm kind of like, what time is it? Ugh, it looks like two 30, three o'clock. I am ready to be done. I'm done. You know, and I just, <laughs> right, right. you know, I manage yeah. my, my life according to what my body is, tells me, right. If my body tells me I can keep going, I keep going. But if my body's like, okay, it's time. Then I'm like, okay, it's time. We're, we're done. Exactly. And everything's not going to be perfect. I mean, one of the things that women hold themselves to high standards, uh, even the messiest person still holds themselves to a standard. And partly why they're messy is because deep down below, they're a perfectionist wanting to figure if they don't have time to do the whole thing well, they won't do just a little pickup. Okay. That's yeah. A, that's a whole nother conversation, another podcast. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, we just hold ourselves to a high standard. And so it's like, okay, well, I mean, I've got to get the cooking ready for tomorrow. Oh, I've got to get this cleaned up. Oh, I've got a load of, couple of loads of clothes to wash. And even if you have bigger kids and you assign them chores and things to do, I was going to tell my daughter, you know, and she keeps her bathroom in place looking crazy. When someone, if someone comes in and her bathroom, unfortunately, is the community bathroom. So if you have a guest, they're not looking at her saying, what a, a messy teenager you have. They're looking up to me as the mother. Like, what the <laughs> heck is going on up in there? That's Wait, right. my, my daughter's expression, what the hell? <laughs> so, I mean, you can't be leaving your stuff all over and stuff like that. So the women just say it's a constant you know, just stressing and making sure. And yes, 100%, we've got to stop. 
take some deep breaths. And what I found is getting up early in the morning is helpful for me before mm-hmm. all the hustle and bustle, before everybody's mm-hmm. up. Mom, mom, you should have mm-hmm. said, mom, what's for lunch? Mom, I need breakfast, you know. Before, mom, what time is it? It's almost time for school, you know. Yes, honey, I know. Let's move it. Before all of that, just taking that time, like you said, just to think, breathe, quiet, you know, pray, and just kind of get my thoughts together and just let God tell me like what he wants me to do for that day. You know? mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I think we would, would cut our cancers down quite a bit if we took our time, right? Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, sometimes it's not possible, but I, I feel like little snippets, you know, I, I read Eckhart Tolle says that a deep breath taken intentionally is a meditation. And so I feel that in our go, go, go culture, we don't even stop to take that one deep cleansing breath Mm. that we all could use on a Mm. daily basis. And so if we did that- Wow, I'm going to write that down. A deep breath taken intentionally is meditation. Yes. And if you think about it, when you're thinking about the breathing and you take that deep breath, it feels different than when you're just breathing right when you're mm-hmm. just kind of yeah. going going you're just breathing right because you brought all that oxygen to your brain so now there's a clarity that comes and think about this when you run 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 after you get sick what do you have to do yes. you gotta lay down right you gotta lay down. I, thought that's gotta what I was telling you you know last week I was sick it's because I was running traveling running and, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to take any days off from work so I, you know I flipped from one city to the next and what happened last week I had to take two days off because I was sick <laughs> <laughs> you know so when we get to that point of sick and we're, we're not doing any self-blaming i want to make sure we're clear on that sure I mean, sometimes no. there's genetic components i mean sometimes it's just it could be the environment that we live in and maybe some toxins there's, there's so many, so things many that, reasons that, that contribute yeah so we're not saying it's not your fault it's not my fault that's no. not what we're saying no we're just saying take the time to uh just like like you say take that deep breath don't forget to to think about yourself and that's why i want to that's why i have that passion for women just I didn't really know that I had that until after I got married, though. You know, when right. I was single, I was just living my life. But after I got married and started having children, I realized, wow, did you know that married men live the longest and married women live the least? And single <laughs> men live the least and single women live the longest. Did you know that? Really? I didn't know that. Yes. Oh. Study shown. And the reason for that is obvious. You know, a married woman is taking care of everyone. A yeah. single woman is only taking care of herself. A single man has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> a married man gets to be taken care of. <laughs> Sorry, I had to touch to throw that in. I had to take, a, take a swipe at our wonderful men who we couldn't live without, right? Can't live with them, can't live without. But no, back to us as women, just making sure that we take our take the time to, you know, because in the end, I mean, it's the saddest thing when you see your family and everybody else saying, well, mama's sick, you know, and they're like, they don't know what to do. And so yeah. we also have to teach and empower our kids to also do some things for ourselves. I started teaching my daughter to wash clothes for herself when she was eight. She tells her friends, I'm, t- I'm the only one amongst you. I'm sure that your mom still washes your clothes. You know, I'm the only one of them. Mother started making me wash my clothes at eight. I'm like, yeah, because I have other, I didn't even have her sister yet because her sister wasn't born until she was 10. But I was like, you know, you got to need to know how to wash your clothes. You can help <laughs> do that, you know? so we got to delegate and do the things to spread it out spread the love as I that's say. right spread the love spread the love my daughter does our lawn does the laundry now too and my son he I don't know I don't know what's wrong that he can't catch on to how to do it but it's not that hard 
<laughs> I'd be like, well, since you're not really going to turn the buttons on the machine that washes the laundry, how about you put them, fold them and put them away? <laughs> My least favorite part. You can do that. You watch TV and fold. Right. One, one or the other. One or the other. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Well, my friend, it has been such a great uh, conversation. Is there anything else in particular that you would like to bring forth or bring out? I know you have this amazing passion for women. And so I'm going to, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do and to sending people your way. But is there anything that you would like to share that you haven't already shared with us? Well, I would also like to say um, some one of the things I noticed is that when people, women are hurting, one of my other passion besides women is is is, uh, is health, like physical health. I don't feel that as we get older, even though our bodies start to break down, that we just have to go with the flow, and that goes along with what we're talking about today with the breast cancer. Um, I'm a physical therapist by um, profession, and I find that a lot of times people, women, men will have a pain that they have like in their back or shoulder or knee and they just go on and on with the pain they never address it until it gets to the point now the doctor's saying oh you need surgery or you know it's at this point where you have to give you cortisone shots or pain meds and you know the they inject and I would just like to challenge people to stop and take the time you know and uh, talk to someone to see you know what can be done a physical therapist hopefully one who specializes in manual at things. I have a passion for that also where people would be able to live a much happier and better life because some of the aches and pains that they have would be able to be resolved by just a small amount of either exercise that could be tailor fit for them or treatment and mobilization and then they don't have to go on and especially women are huge with having like uh, I see a lot of, of older women patients that have like knees and hips that were um, very painful and they just say, oh, I never addressed it. And then now it becomes a thing. So I would really love to see women. And that is the direction that I'm going to be going. I'll be doing women's issues. Also for young women, just some of the red flags when they're getting into relationships, you know, some of the things to look out for and some of the things that could actually, you know, when they, when this happens, like, oh, you know, just kind of be mm-hmm. that clue. You know, we always had that saying, what I, I wish I knew then, you know, mm-hmm. what I what know I now. Know now. Well, obviously we had to go through the bad experiences in order to get to the point we are now to, or the good experiences or whatever experience we had to experience them to be at this road. And I would love to help, you know, some of the younger women and even some my age and older to, to see some of the places and things where they are and some of the power that they have, the mm-hmm. value that they have. It's a, we have amazing, wonderful value just because God made us number one. But second, as women, we have so much power. We have, we have, we don't even know it. And mm-hmm. so how to tap, how to tap into that mm-hmm. and to channel and use it, not for a trip or to be, you know, mean or callous, but to um, continue to grow as people expand our way and then open the door for someone else to step in and have over overall health, overall health and well-being. Love it. So. Love it. I read a book recently called The Gilded Ones. Mm. And the premise of the book is about female power and how patriarchy pushes it down or or vilifies it because mm-hmm. it is so powerful it's mm-hmm. a very good book it's it's a it's fiction and it's the first in a trilogy um mm. a black author why can't i remember her name <laughs> what's the name of the book I can't remember the guild the gilded ones the gilded, the gilded ones. ones yes yeah, look that up 
it's really about that. And, you know, the whole time I'm reading, I was like, oh my gosh, what a huge statement she just made right in, mm -hmm. in the story, you know, about that. So thank you for that, my friend. Mm -hmm. So before I let you go, I have to ask you, because you are on Diversity Dish, what mm -hmm. is your favorite dish? <laughs> That is such a difficult question because I just love food, period. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I know that about you. <laughs> I love to eat. And if I had a personal chef, I'd be in heaven <laughs> to sit back and say, this is what I want to eat today. Um, I actually, I love comfort food, pasta type foods. Mm. One of my favorite dishes is the macaroni and cheese that I make. It's called, I call it Lavina's macaroni and cheese. And it's really Okay, Lavina. Uh, you know, I have to, you know, get my own food. Go ahead and but... plug yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so good that uh, one of my guy friends who I've been friends with for like 30 years, uh, we just recently connected. And he said, hey, you remember that macaroni and cheese you used to make? He said his mother is a great cook, okay, because they're from the South. And so he's like, oh, yeah, you think, would you mind if I, if I got that recipe, if I could give it to my mom? I, I, wanted, I wanted to make her macaroni and cheese like yours. And I'm like, okay, sure, I don't mind sharing. And so anyway, he, I said, so how'd it go? He said, I just want you to know it was a hit. So that made me nice. feel really special. Yeah, no, but I love pastas, creamy foods, Alfredo. I make a really good um, Alfredo sauce. I mean, that's probably relatively easy, but I just, I like trying new things. And but I'm, I'm into pastas. And this past Christmas, I made a dish from um, John Legend's wife. What's her name? Chrissy Teigen. Oh, she has Chris, a cookbook yeah. that's great. Plugging her cookbook. It's called Craving or Craving <laughs> Too. And she has this dish in here with a mixture of sweet potatoes and white potatoes with some different kind of cheeses. It's something you've never tasted before. Ooh. That has such a hit. So yeah, I love like cheesy, like, you know, comfort foods. So those are my things. But yes, definitely mac and cheese, probably one of my favorite dishes. Wow. Well, I'm going to have to come see you so you can make me some mac and cheese. Yes, please do. Please do. Please do. That'd be great. Thank you so much for being here, Lavina. I so appreciate you sharing your story and being very open and candid about, about it and sharing so much insight. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a delight to have this conversation with you. I just hope that women know that there is so much and they've got so much to give, so much to offer it. You just feel strong and empowered no matter what. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at Patreon. The link is in the show notes. See you soon.